Welcome to the after party, where today we get to recap our first battle. Gentlemen, how do you feel? Whoop, whoop! Undying light, bless us all. I'm a little tired. I could use a <laughs> That's because Tracy got real messed up, Tracy, didn't he? Tracy got a little messed up, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, let's start from the beginning. Uh, rolling initiative, what does it mean? How does it work? All right. Everybody gets a turn in combat. But according to, like, how fast you are and, like, figuring out how the fight is going down, you get to go either faster or before or after a person. So you roll initiative to figure out the order, and I keep track of all that stuff. So uh, every player rolls a d20 plus their dex modifier. I roll for all the NPCs and all the enemies, and I keep a big list of who goes in what order, which is why I kept asking uh, different people when they were going to go. And then when I say the top of the order, I literally mean a top of an order that I have as list. You don't always tell us when your characters lose HP or what their totals are or what their rolls are. Sometimes you would roll a dice and tell us what the number was. Sometimes you wouldn't. So when do you tell us what NPCs and enemies roll and when do you not? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think the biggest difference between D&D and a video game is that you're supposed to be immersed in the biz, in the fight, as a character. So you don't, you can see if someone gets messed up. You, you see if someone is literally bleeding if they get punched in the face. But, like, you don't see – there's no such thing as a health bar in real life. So, like, you can tell when people fight. You can tell when people are trying to do stuff. But, like, you don't have all of that knowledge, like, in terms of data. Uh, one of the coolest things I, I like to do as a DM is actually doing fights because it's the one time when you actually get to, like, do character sheets and, like, have monster tables and stats and attacks and cool things. So, like – Something I didn't recognize when I was first a player is that they're not just, like, making things up as a DM. Like, there are actual full monster character sheets. Um, Monsters are just like us. They're just like us. Is a shadow a monster, or did you, like, fix that up, Eric? Oh, yeah. Shadow is definitely a monster. It comes right from the, the Monster's Guide. It's really cool, and the reason why I like Shadow, and I always think it's a really fun thing to do in the beginning of any, like, campaign, is that it has a weird attack. Like, usually if you're fighting a gerblin or you're fighting, like, a, a bear, you can just, like, punt. Or a... Kobold. Or a kobold. Kib- <laughs> <laughs> a kobold in bits. A, a blue thing. A kibbled in bits. Um, it only just, like, kind of slashes at you or tries to hurt you. But strength drain is a really fun attack. And it's my fault for going at the most strengthy person. But, like, I like that there is a- another effect on top of just damage. So as as I said before in the episode, Tracy took damage, but he also took damage to his strength score. And that stayed until he got uh, Tammy and Taylor's health potion. Here's the other thing on top of that. There is no such thing as a flying gun. What? I, oh, what? gee, what? Why? In 
the monster manual, there is a flying sword. So what I did is I took stuff from Unearthed Arcana. They literally have like the damage that this magical gun does. And I put it on top of the flying sword monster. So what we were talking about, like stats and battle sheets, I took something that already existed and I kicked it up a notch. I did something called that we call reskinning. Is I literally took uh, the flying sword skin and whipped it off and then put a gun skin on it. But I used a lot of the stats that already existed. I didn't have to make a monster from scratch. I used what Wizard of the Coast have worked so hard on and made it my own. And get ready for a Johnny B. Good hot take. This is the move to do. And anyone who wants to one day play D&D is to do like Eric does. Is take the cool things that happen in the book and adapt it to the story you're telling. You can take the rules from any D&D book and make it into any setting you want. All you have to do is copy the stats. Just change the name. Describe it in the right way. Eric did it. You can do it. It works. Johnny Hot Cakes. Johnny Hot Cakes. Is that a thing? Johnny Hot Cakes. Hot Cakes? Johnny Hot Cakes is his retirement plan to open a rest stop diner somewhere in Georgia. I love that. We're here at Johnny Hotcakes, <laughs> the, best, the best diner in all of the concentric states. I want to check out the Be Good inside of the Be Good Cakes. Now, I might be a southern warlock trying to make the best hotcakes in the land, but you, Guy Fieri, I hope you love these Johnny Hotcakes. I want to get flavor blasted by the undying light. Let me cast color spray right on on these. You know what they say. Good cakes, good takes, good light, good laugh. Yeah. I love that. It's like it's like they, they did like a testimonial from this, like, this random old, like this crone. I, it's like a, there's like a hag who's like sitting in the corner and is like just like disgusting, but she's like piling pancakes yeah. into her mouth. Oh, fuck. <laughs> And I had a moment where during the game I was like, oh, this is a good DM decision when the potions exploded. So when Johnny cast Burning Hands, and it's this like cone of destruction. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there are going to be consequences in the room. You can't just have a spell that destroys what you want it to destroy with no consequences. And so you, Eric, as a DM, decided that there are going to be potions exploding and, you know, things happening and, and kind of reverberations or feedback. So what were your thoughts around that? Well, I think there are two things that you got to keep in mind. One is something they call area of effect. And that's the difference between two different kind of spells or attacks. You might have one, a targeted attack, which is just at one or more particular peoples. But like uh, Burning Hands is in a cone is what they say. So it's like everything gets hit on fire. So there needs to be residual damage. I mean, Fish did a good job of figuring out if any of his buddies were in the area. Hey, thanks, Fish. You're welcome, bruh. But the fire is going to hit everything else. The other thing is that I have made it explicitly clear that these potions take fire to get made and react. Let's be clear if it hasn't been. My character obviously only cares about outcome and not about consequences. So I have a repertoire of spells I could have used. And I've looked at all of them and they all probably could have done similar things. But Johnny would have used Burning Hands because it would have been the most explicitly awesome. Mm. And, uh, you know, kudos for recognizing that it should have done uh, collateral damage. So I was glad I didn't damage my allies. I did try to, you know, mitigate that. 
So hence why I took damage, but still. And why you turned blue. You're blue. You're I'm blue good person. with that. I'm Listen, I don't mind. Die. You're a blue boy. That's fine with me. <laughs> I heard that. Dabudi dabudai? I'd like to Dabu-dee, add a prestidigitation that has that song playing in the background around me. Just, well, a, just in your general go, going about yeah, town? Wait, I got yeah. Wait, I got this. Well, listen up. Here's a story <laughs> about a little walker who lives in a light world and all day. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is blue for him. him. Like and him. And every owl bearer around is going to got nobody to magic, to magic, to magic, to magic. He's blue. Baba dee, baba dee, baba dee, baba dee, dee, baba dee. Cast burning hands. <laughs> <laughs> and he used the drop. <laughs> uh, I, so, uh, I want to... Hard, hard transition. Take a swift 90 degree hard turn. Start. Star swipe. Star, Star swipe. swipe. Star, Star swipe. swipe at? Star swipe. Uh, See, so you, you... I want to point out two things. It's a little bit weird that I'm pointing out one of them. But you said a second ago that your character really only thinks about themselves in general. True. But... We two, can talk about that. Two things happened in this episode... That uh, go against what our characters are about. You saved Tracy, and uh, Tracy also swiped a book. Mm, I was actually going to ask did you about that. Those are book. those are both uh, generally counter. I'll speak for myself first. Um, you going to speak for me next? <laughs> no, I won't speak for you because I actually legitimately don't know why you did that, Brandon. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, I think for Johnny, he's been with Tracy for a while to know that it is more a benefit for Johnny to have Tracy around than to not have him. He saved him in the room with Nessie. Um, For him, it's far more a benefit to have him around. Um, He's also a believer of the light. One of the minor things you may have noticed is that Tracy was enamored by Johnny's uh, speech and telling of the verse of the Book of Light. He had a favorite verse. He requested his favorite verse. Uh, Yeah, and which you made up on the spot, like which which Johnny made up on the spot. <laughs> and don't worry, there will be more verses from the Book of Light. But uh, for Johnny, it would be very important to have more followers of the Book of Light. Um, he he recognizes he's a physically weak person. He needs people like uh, like Tracy to exist. Although I, Michael, Mikey, Fish, don't understand how Brandon Tracy stole a book, something so against you. I want you to justify it. I also want to know why you would steal a book that you can't even read, that you tried to read and failed at. Like, do Same. you are you trying to like find draconic stuff? Like, what's the deal? So here's what was going through my head. If I can direct you all to my character sheet, Ooh. you'll notice that Let's under look. gold pieces, it says zero. <laughs> oh no! So my honest original plan was. Tracy, I don't think, likes the fact that there's something out in the world that he doesn't know. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, and so when he saw the book and he couldn't read it, not only was he, like, bummed because he couldn't help or play the game with um, Tammy and Taylor, and he also couldn't, like, build a relationship with Tammy and Taylor because he, he thought they were pretty cool teens, pretty rad teens. With a Z. Uh, with a Z. And so uh, he really kind of wanted to to eventually figure out what was in this book. Uh, while he was leaving the... The room, he kind of did a mental calculation of um, the fact that that it would be more valuable in his hands as he learns the knowledge than it – he figures that it would be in Tammy and Taylor's hands. Yeah. Uh, he was originally going to try to pay for the book, like leave some coins behind. Right. Was he? 
But yeah, that's but he has no coins. Yeah. And you know, intentions just as good as currency in this world. I like so how- I mean he made a he made a decision. He made, he did a cost benefit analysis. I do like how we're even forgetting that this is like James's alchemy room. This is like Tammy and Taylor's playhouse. Well, he figured that James already knows the knowledge in that book. Right. He's probably hmm. read every book on that shelf three times. Hmm. I have a question for Amanda. Sure. Oh, I'm flipping the script. <gasps> Amanda, how are you enjoying this campaign of D&D so far? Uh, I mean, we talked about before that like you really haven't had as, many, as much experience as any of us. This might be like, what, your... Ninth, tenth time playing D anD D in yeah. total, yeah. and like your fifth on mic. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great. I feel like I, uh, I really inhabit my character. She is everything I wasn't as a teenager, and I really appreciate the opportunity to like make decisions that real life me would never have made. Um, and I also think that it's the right mix of like knowing what my options are, like knowing that I could choose A, B, C, or D, and going with one of them because I I have trouble just as a player being like, okay, the entire world's open to you. What do you do? And like, oh, I I walk wherever. Like it's hard for me to make decisions when the options are limitless, but I felt so far like, okay, I can choose one of three doors or I can do one of five actions or, you know, I could take Alonzo to safety or engage the owl bear or retreat, you know, like, like there's a kind of a limited slate of options that make me feel like I can be creative, but also I have enough restraints on my world that I can, you know, know what I want to do. I felt that same way when I was like first playing. And uh, now I feel like I'm like teetering this tightrope of like, I don't want to be the player that like disrupts the world and like takes people out of fiction or like does anything like crazy stupid. But like, I also don't want to be the player that, selects one of five options and like those are my only things like I actively search in my brain for like all right what's in the room like what what's in the environment what can I do that's like maybe something who's actually in in the room in the environment like creatively thinking about a way to escape or a way to like disengage from this battle or a way to end the battle faster or like maybe I'm not just punching maybe I'm like knocking the lockers over so the gun is like trapped so yeah I think it's just like different levels of play i don't know it's interesting i mean for me as someone who's almost always played as a dm yeah fish like fish i, I mean order experience it goes um i don't know about air me eric specifically. brandon fish yeah yeah. I think so. yeah it's a i'm i'm surprised if anyone still likes the way i play <laughs> and that may be a downer on Why? me well because i as much as i i really try to push away any dm thoughts from my head in any action i do it still happens and i'm always like thinking on that and so sometimes i'll like do things that maybe push too much against it i'm having a ton of fun though it's not often i get to play as a character and even more so it's not often i get to play as a character that i'm like enjoying most of the times i've played D as a character i've hated the character i've played why well unfortunately i've played a lot of games where i've not been able to create a character this one has grown each time it's become more and more clear that this is basically a televangelist <laughs> it is and i kind of tony love robbins that. i love i love that send it's your that. donations to p.o box tony robbins so, is not an evangelist my bad I mean, no, it's not. No. But, but, no, but burn it's, on Tony it, Robbins. It, it's that kind. It's that kind of feel, though. It's it's like it's the feel of someone who is just trying to spread his his thing to everyone, and it's it's weird. It's off putting, and I kind of like that it's off putting. I enjoy that my character is not the easiest to like. It's not where I would have gone as a DM, 
And that's why I'm also happy that's how I am as a player. Because it wouldn't I wouldn't like being a player that everyone would like. And I feel like we're each making decisions that are really true to our characters, which sounds super basic, but like I, you know, I did high school theater and I was never an actor and I never understood when people talked about, you know, living the truth of your character or making decisions or or like living their mindset or or whatever. But now I feel like if we're in a room with a threat, I know what Inara would do. I know what Johnny would do. Yeah. I know what Tracy would do. Yeah. And the fact that we, that like the three of us, like there was no table talk. We didn't say to each other, what is your character going to do in this moment? We just did it and trusted that, you know, our characters knew what each other would accomplish in their turn. And that's so cool. I knew what Inara would do. I knew what Tracy would do. And y'all knew what, what, what Johnny would do. And the best part of all of it is that Eric knew kind of what our characters would do. And every, as he snickers in as the corner, he snickers, yeah, he, does. As he, he just laughs as he's quietly, laughing. I know all your shit before you do it, but it's great. Minority Report, <laughs> <laughs> but it's great because it's it's really hard because so quickly, and not to be very meta about it, even though that's what these sessions. This is the after party. This yo. is the after party. That's Bring what this it. is. That so quickly we are really able to see how our characters are because we truly made our characters just before the first episode, and. We didn't know who our characters were before that. And the fact that we've been able to discover it and we've already gone to a point where we kind of we know how we feel about things, even though we haven't fully explored our characters. And the fact that we can like actively make decisions that we know are against the character, like just like underlines the fact that we know the characters like, yeah. They exist as a thing. And we have to fight against the fact that we're making decisions against our character and explain it means we know that we not messed up, but have to explain ourselves. The baseline is strong enough that we know when we're erring from it, Yeah, um, which is pretty, pretty amazing that we I mean, much like real people, you know, our real character comes out when like the stuff hits the fan. And not to be sappy, I personally love that you guys are a part of this journey of our characters because normally when these kind of things happen, no one's a part of that. It's just the players. The but five the fact of you that at the table, yeah. Exactly. But we, everyone can hear how our characters change. That's so powerful to me. Sorry, I'm being sappy. <laughs> That's just how I am. I'm blue, dabba dee, dabba da, dabba dee, dabba da. My character's literally blue. <laughs> so one of the things that may or may not have been clear is that one character in particular was able to do a ton of damage. Hey, was that oh, you? What's up, Johnny? What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? Uh, I don't know. Was it me? Was it me? So Johnny Goodlight is actually one full level ahead of both Inara and Tracy. When we started this game, Eric, uh, you told us to not start level one. What is the reasoning for that? Sure thing. Um, being at level one is boring. Uh, really, your classes get going in level two. Really, level three is when it starts to ramp up. Um, and uh, I just don't – I will kill you for if you stay <laughs> at level one. I really wanted action to get going. I wanted to throw, like, weird monsters at you, but I can't if you are just, like, figuring out which side of a sword is correct. Is there a difference, like, in fiction between one, two, and three? 
the 1 to 20 scale is divided in between four sections. You're supposed to, in like 1 to 5, you're supposed to be like you're starting out, you're beginning adventurers, and then you're like more experienced adventurers from 5 to 10. You are like heroes of note from 10 to 15, and 15 to 20, you are like fucking gods. You are nearly demigods in the plane. Uh, one is really you are starting out, you are starting your adventure. And I never really understood how uh, so many games and campaigns and stories start in media res you are all in a tavern and you all already know each other and you're gonna go on this quest so it wouldn't really make sense for all of you to start at level one because you have lived your lives you've started in some way to like begin um i think the reason why we let johnny be level three is that he is much older in both like literal age as compared to inara and like time lived as compared to experience and time lived as compared to Tracy. Um, I think that is definitely a good reason to let him do what he do. I mean, it'll totally be offset. I mean, I personally appreciate the fact that it is offset because it shows that there is a difference in the world and everything isn't like a computer game where everything is just so level and clean and basic. And like that comes from us as, as people and players too where I am newer to the game and I need to be able to ask you guys how my turn works in a battle. Um, Whereas uh, you, Michael, with Johnny, like both of you have way more experience than I do. And Brandon and Tracy are somewhere in the middle. Um, So I think that's a a really good example of, you know, making the game work for you, uh, where you shouldn't be like stretching and, and stressing to kind of reach the rules where they're at. You should read what there is, Take what you want, you know, and like be creative within the limits of the universe with whatever you want to change. If you're playing a D&D game yourself and you're a DM or a player, don't be afraid of having different levels. As long as they're close enough, it allows for differences, different storylines, different growth to happen, different character development that normally wouldn't happen. And it's more interesting overall. All right, gentlemen. Well, excellent job in our first battle. I am really excited to see what happens with like us and Alonzo on freaking spring break from his, you know, royal husbandhood. Um, yeah, you know that classic spring break get thing where you get like taken by a bunch of bandits. <laughs> that classic like... thing where on your wedding night you're not able to just hang with your husband, but instead have to like deal with the political ramifications of just having your whole world blown up. <laughs> Poor Alonzo, we just want him to be happy. Uh, but I am super excited to see where we go next, uh, listeners. Thank you for being with us. Please ask us your questions. Tell us your stories. Get in touch on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all the places we are at Join the Party Pod. And if you want to share stories or ask more detailed questions or give us feedback, we are Join the Party Pod at Gmail. I'm blue. Johnny's blue. He's blue. He's literally blue. All right. Let's call this one a wrap. Bye. 